It is time to talk about everybody's favorite obsession, the biggest thing the Orlando Magic need to do to be successful. It's time to talk about where the Magic going to get some three-pointers. We'll get to all that on today's episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are indeed locked on magic. Today is August 24th, 2023. My name is Philip Rossman. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. You can follow me on Twitter at PhilipRR underscore OMD. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we're going to talk all about three-point shooting. Why the Orlando Magic's three-point shooting problems can actually be solved internally. The guys that they added that will help them get over the hump from beyond the arc and why they don't really have to do that much to be that much more successful. We'll get to that, plus how Joe Ingles is doing with Team Australia, maybe some of the concerns we have as the FIBA World Cup gets set to begin. But before we do that, we want to thank you again for making Locked On Magic part of your day every day, no matter when you listen to us, whether it's first in the morning, whether it's right when we upload. We truly appreciate you making Locked On Magic part of your day every day. Remember, there's a great Locked On podcast covering every single team in the NBA. Just search for Locked On and the team you're looking for, the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day day. For the last decade, um, the three-point shooting in Orlando hasn't been good. Uh, For a team that helped, for a franchise that helped revolutionize the use of the three-point shot in the NBA, uh, it has surprisingly allowed this next wave of the three-point revolution pass them by. Uh, It has let the, 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 the magic have not caught up with the times as far as three-point shots. Um, the Magic last year finished in the bottom 10 in three-point field goal percentage. They were 27th in the league in three-point attempts per game. And quite simply, uh, the math just always seemed to work against the Magic. Why are we so obsessed with three-point shooting? It's not only because it's just the way of the NBA nowadays. We are obsessed with three-point shooting because the Magic simply do not have it. And to some games... That's what cost them. Last year, there were several games, at least two, maybe three games, where the Magic simply could not keep up with the math that three is more than two. Whether it was the loss of the Houston Rockets early in the season, the loss of the Milwaukee Bucks late in the season, there were several games throughout the course of the year where the Magic just could not get enough free throws to make up the difference between the other team hitting a ton of threes. And it didn't help either that the Magic's defense is so focused on containing the paint and protecting the paint that they give up three point shots on the back end. That's that was just kind of the way the magic are built and the way that the magic run their defense and, and, and the way that they operate. So the Orlando magic obviously want to be a little bit different. They want to do things a little bit differently. They want to um, put themselves in, in a position where they don't have to rely on free throws as much. And look, the Magic had their games where they hit a ton of threes, too. We're going to talk about some of them here in a minute. But um, the three-point shot's got to be consistent because the fact of the matter is, since Dwight Howard left, the Orlando Magic have not been outside the bottom 10 in the league in offensive rating. And their three-point shooting is a big, big reason for that. But I am here to tell you 
that the Magic's three-point problems can be solved, that the Orlando Magic can be a better three-point shooting team, and they don't have to do very much to do it. It starts, though, with their best three-point shooter, and that is Gary Harris. Last season, Gary Harris absolutely established himself as one of the best three-point shooters in the entire league. He shot 43 point quietly at least, um, if we're not talking about it up. He shot 43.1% from beyond the arc on four and a half attempts per game. For reference, Franz Wagner, a pretty good three-point shooter himself, also at four and a half attempts per game, shot 36.1%. Now, whether Gary Harris can match that 43.1%, again, it is certainly a fair question to ask, but he has been a reliable and steady three-point shooter throughout his career. It's one of the great things about him. In fact, what's so interesting about Gary Harris, in my opinion, is the problem is they don't get him enough shots. And ah, this is where the rub lies with the Magic's three-point shooting. Because in addition to not being a great three-point shooting team, anyway, part of the reason why is the Magic are not a great passing team. By every metric, and some of it has to do with their with their offense and, and, and their poor shooting, so it's cyclical. I'm not going to sit here and say that, 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 that one thing causes the other, but there are a lot of correlations here that seem to make sense. The Orlando Magic last year were near the bottom of the league in passing, just pure passing stats. They're 26th in the league in assists at 26.2 per game. They were 25th in the league in potential assists at 42.4 potential assists per game. It's shots that could have become assists. And 28th in the league in secondary assists at 2.3 per game. The Magic were actually in the bottom 10 in the league in total passes made. Now, certainly some of this has to do with the fact that Fran, uh, that Paolo Bancaro is an isolation player. They ran a lot more ice. They, they, were set, they were 29th in the league in ISOs in 2022. They're about middle of the league, near the top of the league, uh, in isolation plays per game, according to data from Second Spectrum, um, last year. A complete flip on the Orlando Magic, and that's personnel. They run a lot of pick and rolls and a lot of like a lot of a lot of cutting actions with Franz Wagner. And you know, Wagner is a great passer, but he's not quite a great passer yet. When you look at Gary Harris, then the games where he scored the most and took the most three-point attempts per game in a game occurred when the Magic were better passers. The most three-pointers Harris took in any game was a three-for-10 performance in the overtime win over the Miami Heat. Okay, that's that's a loss. Ignore the percentage for now. The Magic racked up a season-high 34 assists in that game. Let's stretch it out. That's one game. Harris had nine three-point field goal attempts in a win over the Washington Wizards in March, just about a week later. The Magic had 27 assists in that game, 16th best mark for the team that season. Harris's highest scoring game was that game. He scored 22 points in that game, but he also had a 22-point game against the Indiana Pacers in January. The Magic had a season-high 35 assists in that game. Um, so again, the two games where Harris, you know, where Harris scored the most, had the most three-point field goal attempts, he the, the ball was moving. Uh, you got the ball moving to your best three-point shooter. In fact, when you look at Harris's stats, 79% of Harris's field goals were assisted, and 86 of his 94 three-pointers made last year were assisted. On top of this, Harris took 3.9 catch-and-shoot three-point field goal attempts per game last year, making 42.8% of these shots. 
89% of his 218 total three-point attempts last season were either open when the defender was more than six feet away or why, or, or were either open when the defender was four to six feet away or wide open when the defender is more than six feet away, according to NBA.com. He hit 46.2% of these shots. But by every metric, Gary Harris was one of the best three-point shooters in the league last year. So why is he shooting only four and a half attempts per game? This is what I'm talking about when I say it's going to be little things that could flip the magic very, very quickly into something very, very special. And one of those little things is if the magic pass and move the ball more, they're going to get their best three-point shooter more three-point field goals. And look, he's shooting 40%. So if you get him from four and a half to seven, that's another three-pointer. That's another one and a half three-pointers per game. And on top of that, if you just have a better passing mindset, if you're more cleaner as a passing team, you're going to get better shots, period. Because assisted field goals are always easier to make than unassisted field goals. Uh, assisted three-pointers, when the ball's moving around the horn, going side to side. It's just basic basketball. Gary Harris is not going to create for himself. That's not his game. And he's rarely going to take bad shots. He'll take a few pull-up threes here and there, but Harris isn't one to force any action. He knows his role on this team. He is the fifth starter. He's not there to soak up a lot of shots. The majority of his shots were three-pointers. So the reason why you know the 43.1% is so impressive is because he literally only takes three-pointers. This is why getting Gary Harris more shots is more important. Because it's less that Gary Harris is getting more shots. He's a great three-point shooter, and obviously the Magic need more three-pointers, point, three so why, why not get your best three-point shooter more shots? It's more of a symbol of how healthy the Magic's offense is playing, how much the ball is moving, and how much it gets others open. That's why Gary Harris needs to shoot more. That's why the Magic need to get Gary Harris the ball in more advantageous shooting positions. Because... More likely than not, at least based on last year's stats and really much of his career, Gary Harris is going to deliver. And that could be one of the more important things that the Magic change and do this year. Not that they're running plays for Gary Harris, but that the ball is moving inside to out, that his gravity is actually having meaning and he is making teams pay for collapsing the paint and thinking that the Magic can't shoot. The Orlando Magic, though, are not alone, and they don't just have to rely on Gary Harris. There's plenty of other players to rely on who took some big steps with their shooting last year. We'll get to them coming up here in just a moment. But first, it's time for a quick word from our friends at Ibotta. Summer is coming to a close. It makes everybody sad, although it will still be very, very hot here in Florida. So we got another month and a half. So if you're looking to get that last bit of summer, you're looking to wear those summer clothes, you're in the right place for it because it is not going to slow down the heat here for another month and a half, two months. So go get those clothes you've been dying to put in your closet to soak up those last little bits of summer. Your closet shouldn't be the only thing growing when you make purchases, though. You can also watch your cash back grow with each of these purchases with Ibotta. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of items from produce to personal care to pantry goods to anything that you could you could want. So you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It's that easy. The average Ibotta user earns $120 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip or you could use their cash back to buy that flight you've been eyeing 
that game you're dying to go to, the fancy dinner you've been craving, or that blouse or shirt or pants or whatever you were looking for at the store. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much. With Ibotta, you get real cash back that you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. You can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers too when you start with Ibotta, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 for just for trying Ibotta by using the code LOCKED when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use code LOCKED today. That's Ibotta, I-B-O-T-T-A. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Player App Store and use code LOCKED today. Shooting's obviously a big problem. One player is not going to fix it. Um, you know, as we got ready for the offseason, as we got ready for the draft, I, I, I said it a million times in the run-up to the draft. My goal on draft night is to come away from draft night with a shooter. Didn't care if it was a trade, didn't care if it was a player. Come away with a shooter. That would be a successful draft. Well, the Magic drafted Jet Howard. I think most of us are pretty happy with it now. Who knows if, you know, we'll see if, 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 if taking a reach on him. Uh, I don't think the Magic feel like it was a reach. Taking a reach on him, uh, at least by the pundits, um, will pay off or not. Um, there's certainly some encouraging things that he showed at Summer League. But to this point, to this larger point that I'm making, Jed Howard at Michigan was a volume shooter. He took more than seven three-point attempts per game. Whether he can shoot uh, that, you know, he's not going to get that volume, but he is going to be a heavy three-point shooter. He can hit some pull-up shots. He can hit some threes off the dribble. If the Magic were looking for a Gary Trent Jr. type player, and I know some Magic fans thought that the Magic should have chased after Gary Trent Jr. He ended up staying in Toronto anyway. Um, if the Magic are looking for a Gary Trent Jr. type volume three-point shooter, Gary Harris isn't that. Gary Harris is not a natural shoot five, six three-pointers per game type of player. Um, he's at four and a half. That's a lot. You know, that's a lot for him. Not the most. He had five, he shot five per game in 2022. Um, but the Magic need a guy that's going to take six or seven three-pointers per game if he's going to play heavy minutes. And that's one of the things that Jet Howard could very well provide this team. But the Magic have plenty of players on their own. And look, that's how Jet Howard's going to stand out and make his mark on this team. If, if Jet Howard is playing, it's because he's a shooter and the Magic needs shooting desperately. Um, but the Magic have other options they can go to. And, and surprisingly, there are some interesting players who made real gains as the season went on. You could go down the list of, of shooters for the Orlando Magic. Um, you know, Jonathan Isaac shot 40% on 1.4 attempts per game in 11 games. So, you know, small sample size, it's Jonathan Isaac. But his three-point shot was really coming around in 2020 before his injury, in the 2020 season before his injury, because he only played like three games in 2020. Um, it was coming around in, in the 2020 season. It's probably been the only thing he's been able to work on. We don't know if Jonathan Isaac is a much better shooter at this point. Uh, Cole Anthony shot 36.4% on threes from three point on 3.4 attempts per game. He shot 40 better than 40% after the All-Star break. In fact, after the All-Star break, he shot better on threes than Gary Harris, if I'm not mistaken. Um, if he's able to bump his attempts up comfortably to four or five where he's not forcing it and shoot. 37, 38% from three and, and continue to kind of crystallize the gains that he really made as a shooter last year. That's a game changer for him. That makes him a potential six man of the year candidate because he can also attack the basket. He can do a lot of other things 
besides just be a shooting specialist, in addition to being a little bit more of a volume three-point shooter. Wendell Carter shot 35.6%, which is good for a center, although 3.9 attempts per game. Felt like he was – it often felt like you knew it was going to be a bad game for Wendell Carter when he took too, when he took too many threes. Um, keeping him around three is probably the right number. Um, Franz Wagner, we know, can be an excellent three-point shooter. He's looked, he's done more movement shooting uh, in, in World Cup play. Um, but the guy that obviously everyone's eager to see take another step forward. There are three guys that are eager to see take another, take another step forward, and all three of them have shown signs that they can do that. Um, Markel Fultz shot 31% from three. That's certainly a climb up, up from where he was last year on 1.5 attempts per game. He continues to show a willingness to shape, to take threes. No one's expecting him to hit 35% this year, but he could be someone, you know, that if that percentage continues to climb, it's just enough to keep the defense honest. That's all he needs. It's enough to keep the defense honest and to continue to be willing to take those shots. Um, if there are people that wanted to compare him to Ben Simmons, uh, another kind of Sixers player who struggled with in- Sixers traffic who struggled with injuries, we always said like, look, the difference between Ben Simmons and Markel Fultz Markel Fultz is not afraid to take those threes. He will take them when he's comfortable. If he's uncomfortable, he's not going to take them. But he will take those threes. Paolo Bancaro is another guy. 29.8% three-point shooting on four attempts per game. By far the worst worst kind of mix of volume and percentage on the team. But if you throw out the one for 32 February, which we really can't, but we will. um, He shot 33.3% from three, which is pretty good for a rookie, especially for a non-shooting rookie. So there's definitely a chance for him to take a step up. But really the guy everyone's eager to see is Jalen Suggs. He shot 32.7% on threes on 3.8 attempts per game. However, after the All-Star break, so a sample of 19 games, big enough that we can't ignore it, but small enough that we can't say it's permanent, he shot 36% on three-pointers. And there are a couple of big games in the process there. We had really nice shooting games and a couple of games where he's like one for four, one for three, 0 for two, you know, stuff like that. But if Jalen Suggs, who's had a healthy offseason, and, and by all accounts, if you listen to him on the six-man show earlier this week, uh, by all accounts seems to have taken some steps forward um, at just being able to develop and, and play all offseason without any restrictions, um, Jalen Suggs could be a player that takes a big leap with his shooting. And if he takes a big leap with his shooting, that opens up everything else about his game, offensively at least, that we really love and we really like. Um, it's, it's still not clear. Uh, and look, what I am proposing and what I'm saying is that, you know, yes, the magic did address their shooting needs in at least a small way. They added jet Howard in the draft. Like I said, draft night, the magic had to get a shooter. They added Joe Ingles, who is a, who is an excellent shooter for historically in the NBA. We'll talk a little bit more about him here in a moment. Um, they added shooting. They have some knockdown shooters, some guys that they believe they can rely on for shooting, but this has kind of been my theme here late in the offseason is we're really beginning to think about what the Magic need to do to get where they want to go next year, which, of course, is, is the postseason. It is not one big thing that the Magic have to do in anything. There, there is no one big thing. They were really close last year. It's going to be doing little things more consistently. It's going to be having little things flip in their favor more often than not that's what's going to get them into the postseason. And one of those things is seeing some of these players just take a small step forward with their jump, with their three-point shooting. Be enough of a threat to give Franz that extra step. Be enough of a threat where Paolo, Paolo 
you know, where that double team comes later, that the collapse in the paint comes late, or just be enough of a be a threat enough that whoever's driving, whether it's Markel, whether it's Paolo, whether it's Franz, trust you enough that if I kick the ball out to you, you're going to make the shot. And and then that trust becomes and then you reward that trust. The defenses recognize that trust. They back off a little bit, and that opens your game up. It's again, it's all cyclical. Everything in this, everything in the sport is cyclical. Trying to create space is is cyclical. It's about the players around you and your ability to actually create that space uh, and, and see what the defense is giving you. Um, it's not going to take much. They don't need Cole Anthony. You know, Cole Anthony shooting forty percent from three would be great. If he's at thirty eight percent, that might be enough. They don't need you know. Jalen Suggs shooting 36%, 36% like he did after the All-Star break. That would be great. If he's at, you know, he goes from, what, 32 last, 32, 33% last year to 34, 35% consistently, that could be enough. Now, that could be enough to get them into the play-in, into the postseason, to get to the playoffs, to get to the sixth seed, to advance. It's going to take more. So I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, there, there isn't a big thing that the Magic still need. That the Magic still need a lot of things. This was not a summer to fix everything in one big swoop. It was a summer to invest in what worked last year and see if those little things can flip them into a postseason team. And then they can really dig in and dive and say, okay, these are our weaknesses. What can we solve internally? What do we need to solve externally? That's three-point shooting is one of these factors that need to flip in the Magic's favor more often than not, or just needs to change just enough to get to give the team the information that they need to potentially let them know, okay, this is how important shooting is, or no, we can survive a little bit with it, with the shooting the way it is and just hope for internal improvement. That's kind of what's on the line. And, and I do think the Magic have the ability to be a better three-point shooting team. Will they be the best three-point shooting team in the league? Absolutely not. Will their offense suddenly become one of the best offenses in the league without a, a big change in their shooting? Absolutely not. We are aiming for small goals here. We are aiming for little things. But the little things do have big reverberations and could help the Magic accomplish their goals this season. Like I said, one of those shooters is Joe Ingles. We haven't talked a lot about him. I have not uh, watched many uh, much Australia basketball yet. I'm looking forward to seeing them play in the World Cup. We'll talk about Joe Ingles' run with the national team coming up here in just a moment. So I think it's really important to remember we have to put Joe Ingles' career to this point in some context. Um, Joe Ingles is 35. He's going to be 36 right before the season starts. I think he turns 36 on the day, on media day. So we all wish him a very happy birthday. I'm sure the guys will have a lot of fun with him because he is going to be talking a lot of stuff uh, during training camp because that is what he does. Um, so the way we have to assess Joe Ingles and the way we have to prepare for Joe Ingles is is, is, is a little bit different. Um, I often say that, you know, with a torn ACL, um, which Ingles suffered two years ago, um, uh, January 2022, um, with a torn ACL, it takes you a full year to get back on the court. And then it takes you another full year to really fully be yourself. So Ingles was on the court last year. He didn't miss very much time. He's not 
relying on his athleticism, so he's able to get back a little bit quicker. Um, he was back on the court last year, and I, I don't think we will see Joe Ingles at his peak until January 2024. Um, I, I would I would venture to guess the, it was the end of January, so probably after the All-Star break might be when we really see Joe Ingles' peak, and of course that'll be after the trade deadline, so maybe the Magic won't even get the peak Joe Ingles. Um, but, you know, Ingles said, uh, Ingles told an Australian reporter while he was in Las Vegas with, with the Magic during Summer League that he uh, he really does feel as strong as he's felt since the injury. And, and, and I think this is going to be a continued story. It's not that Joe Ingles can't produce. It's not that Joe Ingles isn't a, a full player at this point. You know, he was... He was he had a decent season with the Milwaukee Bucks. He saw his numbers go down a little bit. He was playing a little bit of a smaller role. But, you know, he was still able to hit shots. He was still moving the ball. He was still doing a lot of Joe Ingles things. We're going to get a very good idea, though, of who Joe Ingles is and what he can bring to the Orlando Magic during the FIBA World Cup. Whereas Franz Wagner and Paolo Banker are playing different roles than what they will play for the Orlando Magic for their national teams. Paolo Banker obviously coming off the bench uh, as the backup center. Uh, in a lot of lineups, uh, Franz Wagner playing a more central and starring role for his team. Um, although his role is very similar to what the Magic run for him. Um, Joe Ingles is a role player. His job with Australia coming off the bench is to space the floor as a three-point shooter and keep the ball moving as a passer. And, and, and those are the two things that he is excellent at. And so when we look at his stats during during Australia, during the games with Australia, we are seeing a bit of who he's going to be for the Orlando Magic. And, you know, we, we, we can't lie. His stats have not been super impressive to this point. Uh, in the opening win over Venezuela, he had 12 points in nearly 17 minutes, shooting three for six from three, had a bunch of turnovers in that game. Not something I'm super worried about, uh, you know, just because it was the first game. But that was really the only big scoring game that he's had. In a 90-86 loss to Brazil, Ingles scored eight points on two-for-five shooting. He did add five assists. So again, he's going to make an impact with his passing. He is quietly one of the better passing forwards in the league. Uh, just a really smart player. He doesn't move too fast. He, 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 isn't, he doesn't really force things. So he takes what the defense gives them and gets guys open and makes really pinpoint passes and makes great kind of next next person passes. So, you know, we're talking about getting Gary Harris more shots. Joe Ingles is the kind of passer that's going to get Gary Harris another shot. Like, kick it back out to him. He's going to throw it straight to the corner if the defense slides to him, uh, if the shot isn't there for him. Uh, in the Australia's uh, next game against France, uh, I don't think it was our next game, but but in the game against France, 78-74 Australia win over France. Huge win for Australia. Ingles scored just five points on two for five shooting, adding three assists. These are friendlies. They are not World Cup games. They, you know, teams, these these uh, international teams who are together for a long time, they play these games hard, but they don't necessarily show everything they're going to do. They There's a little gamesmanship. If, if you're a little worried about, you know, what the U.S. looked like against Germany and Spain, there's reason to worry. I think the U.S. is going to be fine against both those teams at the end of the day, but there's a little bit of gamesmanship usually with these teams uh, as they're coming together. Um you trust Joe Ingles as a veteran knows when to step his game up, when to be really serious. He's he's getting his work and he's getting a sweat. He's getting a sweat up. These games don't count. But 
the shooting percentages are a little concerning on my end just because ultimately, yeah, the passing's great and the passing's always going to be there. He's going to make the right decision. He's going to be valuable for this team, especially early in the season. But he's got to make shots. Like, he is one of those players. Gary Harris is too. You know, there's there, Caleb Houston is. Jet Howard's going to be. He is going to be one of these players where shooting percentage matters. His ability to make shots when they come to him is going to be vital for him to be successful in this role. Look, I have every confidence that Joe Ingles is going to be ready. I have I am not worried about this at all. I am raising it to highlight how he's played entering the World Cup since we talked about the Mannix other players entering the World Cup a little bit more. Um Australia is going to be in the thick of the medal race. They believe, you know, they won bronze in Tokyo. They believe they're going to medal again in this tournament. They that should be their goal. They're very good. Josh Giddy's great. Patty Mills is great. Um you know, they lack a little bit of size right now, but that is a very good team in Australia. Um, they they will be a dangerous team uh, in this tournament. Um, uh, and, and so look out for them. And Joe Ingles is one of the big reasons why, to be perfectly honest, because he's such a smart player. But his shooting is going to be a big key for this team. And so as these games get going, and we'll see Australia play, I think they play Friday. I don't have this get. I'm going to look it up. Give me a sec. I got it on my phone here. Yada, 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 yada. Um, Australia plays Friday. Uh, Finland versus Australia. Big game against Finland. Laurie, Mark- Laurie Markkinen. Um, uh, my girl, the speed, I think, might be calling that game. Uh, but um, uh, these are big games. Uh, you know, and these are, this is going to be a big moment for Joe Ingles to see if he can take that next step or if he can be what the magic even be. Now, the contract is an easy out team option in the second year. So if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. I think it will. I'm, I'm, I'm very excited about the signing. I think it was a great veteran signing for this team. I think he's going to help this team tremendously. Uh, you know, be, But he still has some work to do to get back from the injury. And I think what we were seeing in these, these games was Ingles still kind of getting his legs back under him a little bit. And I think that's going to be part of the story for him. And we'll see how he looks Friday. We're going to talk about that. Not on the pod, um, but we will talk about that uh, when we get back when we get back from the weekend because I will probably start doing afternoon episodes so I can get so I can actually watch the games because I am not waking up that early for these early rounds. Um, but we'll we'll talk plenty more about FIBA basketball. In fact, on tomorrow's episode of Lockdown Magic, we are going to preview the FIBA World Cup, talk about the Magic, what to expect from the Magic players as the World Cup tips off. You have that. Look forward to tomorrow. But that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Lockdown Magic. Of course, find me on Twitter. At Philip R underscore OMD, subscribe to the podcast and Apple Podcasts. Hit your tune in him on Google Voice, Spotify, Odyssey, and all of them. Listen on the podcast to your podcast enable listening device. For latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out OrlandoMagicDaily.com. You can follow us on Twitter at OMagicDaily. Like I said, for my everyday crew, on tomorrow's episode of Lockdown Magic, we will preview the FIBA World Cup, what to expect from the Orlando Magic's players in the World Cup. Uh, we're going to do a preview episode. I'm going to try and get that up early on the early side. Uh, so you can listen to it before the games start. First tip off, I think is a, I think the Australia Finland game is a 4 a.m. tip off. So I will not be watching that live. I like to sleep, um, but I will watch that. We'll have reca- we'll have like recaps and notes uh, from from all the, from all the Magic games, all the Magic players games throughout the World Cup. Uh, Saturdays will be late because I've got a thing, so I'm not going to be able to watch the U.S. game too late. But they should they should beat New Zealand pretty easily. I'm not expecting to to learn a lot from that game. I'll have uh, notes and stuff on OrlandoMagicDaily.com, so don't worry. We will have you covered for the FIBA World Cup. 
Just know that starting next week, we're probably going to shift to an afternoon schedule. Um, I may start that on Sunday. So Sundays, so Sunday for Monday, that episode may be a Sunday afternoon episode so that we can get uh, all the FIBA games in and, and talk about them before they grow sale because it's, it is basketball season again. Um, but that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic for Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic. This has been Phil Prosperin Reich. We'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic.